Tbilisi. The Pride Month June is over, but the Pride Week here in Tbilisi just started on 1st of July. It is organized by Tbilisi Pride, and we are more than happy to have its co-director, Mariam Kvaratschelia, as guest of our podcast Tbilisi Portrait. Welcome, Mariam. Hello, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Really glad to join you. My name is Sarah Nieber, and if I read in Western European media about LGBTQI life in Georgia, I must say that most of the people that I interviewed prefer to stay anonymous. Mariam, you show up with your real name. Have you always been open about your orientation? Yes, mostly I have. I was lucky enough to be employed from times when I was a student at NGOs, at non-profits, where human rights and equality is the main value. And I was always open with my colleagues. But it took a lot of time for me to come out to my parents, to my family. That was the toughest part. But now I'm open with everyone and I can be privileged enough to even talk on TV as a queer person, as a lesbian woman uh, and yeah, not hide it. What does it mean for you to be a public person? As I mentioned, it's a privilege, but at the same time, it's a huge responsibility. And uh, I feel that I am empowered enough to come out and be visible. And I want to use this opportunity to help out my community, the people you mentioned who are hiding and who unfortunately cannot be open because of many reasons, because Georgia is still quite homophobic and conservative and very patriarchal country. And uh, in this environment, I think visibility and coming out is crucial to overcome this situation when we are afraid we cannot be ourselves and we are hiding. And fortunately, there are some people who are coming out like me and we have more and more people in our campaigns who speak up and it's really uh, important. I think visibility comes before acceptance and that's what I'm trying to do. You told us about you feeling privileged about being able to be open with your orientation. But is it because you live in a gay-friendly bubble or do you also encounter discrimination or homophobia around you in your everyday life? I think, um, of course, to some extent, it's because of uh, my progressive bubble. As I mentioned, I worked all the time at the organizations that were very activist in their spirits, and it was never an issue. But my family situation, my relatives, it's quite challenging, and I had to fight a lot and work with my parents because uh, my parents are quite old and they come from regions Uh, we moved to Tbilisi when I was seven years old and we have uh, the background of living and uh, being growing up in very small towns uh, in the western part uh, of Georgia. And um, I came out with my mother around two years ago and she was not acceptive of me, of my sexuality and identity and we still don't talk about it. Uh, she prefers to ignore this issue and uh, be... Uh, my mother without discussing this at all. This is a very strong request from her. And unfortunately, she told me, 
really terrible things to me when I came out to her. She was really upset and she completely doesn't understand. Uh, and she has lots of stereotypes. Like when I was telling her that I'm lesbian and I've been in relationship with women mo most of my life, she was like, it cannot be true. Like I was watching you growing up and you were so feminine and you could not be lesbian. Like this is not possible. And then another narratives about how Georgians need to reproduce and we are a small nation and we need to be many. And that I was brainwashed by NGOs or Western countries. And this is a nonsense, of course. I definitely feel I was born this way and I'm just this. I like women and none of the NGOs or anyone could change my sexuality. This is like very deep rooted phenomenon. And unfortunately, my mother does not understand this and accept this, but I'm still hopeful. I'm giving her some time now and I will have another talk with her. And I'm dreaming that one day my mother will become a part of Proud Families Project where she will meet proud parents who are not ashamed of their children. And um, yeah, let's see how this goes. Homosexuality was legalized in Georgia in the year 2000. Still, as you said, the acceptance of LGBTQI people is extremely low in Georgia. What are the reasons that society remains so conservative? Homosexuality was decriminalized in Georgia in 2000, and it should be mentioned that it was the Soviet legislation that we had to include in our constitution before 2000, but then we abolished this legislation because we were becoming the part of Council of Europe, and we wanted to be the part of Europe and to have the progressive legislation. And slowly after that, we started actually to have some protection mechanism for uh, sexual minorities. Uh, uh, in our labor code, in our criminal code, we started to make institutional reforms and to have some articles that would protect LGBTQI community. And actually, we were progressing. But recently, unfortunately, during the last two years, we are seeing backsliding in democracy, in LGBTQI human rights and equality. And it is very sad. In terms of cultural homophobia, we see that attitudes of Georgian people towards LGBT community is actually changing towards positive. Like we have public opinion surveys every once in a while, and it shows that the percent of acceptance rate is increasing. But what we see is that the government, the ruling party and its proxy groups, they have chosen the strategy of political homophobia to base their populism on homophobia, to manipulate with this sensitive topic. Actually, this concept of LGBT propaganda, it was just mentioned for the first time two months ago in Georgia by the high-ranking officials. The prime minister, the chairperson of the ruling party, other leaders of the government, they started all of a sudden to talk about the dangers uh, of LGBT propaganda. And they are calling uh, some young activists, students, anyone who criticizes them, LGBT propagandists. This is a new strategy, actually not very new. It was used during the Soviet Union, we just mentioned. So they were basically discrediting people and sending them to uh, labor camps Uh, because of their political criticism, but they were using the homosexuality and homophobic grounds 
to punish them. So we see the same in a modern style. They are basically calling LGBT people or LGBT propagandists to anyone who raises their voice and speaks up and criticizes the government. Even though we see that all major surveys show that Georgians care about poverty, unemployment, educational system and Russian occupation. These four issues comes up as the most important and uh, priority issues for the nation. But we see that politics today and the political discourse is all about protecting family values and traditions and fighting so-called like LGBT propaganda and community. Okay, you say that in the surveys, in the statistics, you see that the Georgian society is changing. But could you describe it from your personal point of view? What did change since your childhood? I think definitely we have progress. I usually count um, from 2006. This is the year when the very first LGBT organization was founded and some activities started. And if we look uh, what happened from uh, 2006 to now, we have so many safe places. For example, the bars, the clubs, cultural spaces, art spaces. There are definitely uh, many more locations and institutions that are open for us. Second, for example, compared to my childhood, we would never dream to have the possibility to work and talk with teachers of public schools. Nowadays, I personally hold the trainings for public school teachers from all over the Georgia about LGBTQI issues, about uh, sexuality and gender and some stereotypes and myths and homophobic bullying in schools, and we work together on these issues. Of course, this is not government-supported program, but still it's happening and it's important. Another indicator of progress for me is how many people come out, how many people show their faces, and there are so many people this year, for example, who are okay with participating in Tbilisi Pride campaigns and show their faces in our video campaigns. And even within civil society, we were so marginalized. Even NGOs and civil society, they didn't want to do anything with us because they thought they would also be marginalized if they helped us out. But now we see huge solidarity and support from civil society, from most of the NGOs, even from the regions. And this is like really promising because... Um, I don't know if our audience has heard, but lately there have been talks about banning LGBT propaganda and there have been some legislation initiatives registered in the parliament by far-right groups to restrict uh, our freedom of speech and expression. And when these bills were registered, we saw like huge mobilization in the NGO sector, in the civil society. We worked together on the plan how to counter this bill. Similarly to what happened in March with the Russian-style foreign influence agent bill. And I really, I was truly surprised but happy to see that all civil society, we were standing together and working and coordinating on how to counter these uh, bills, uh, another Russian-style bill to restrict uh, our freedom of speech and silence activists and LGBT community. So yeah, these are some of the examples that I think show the progress. What's your biggest motivation? Um, 
I definitely believe a change is possible. I'm an optimist person and I think, yeah, this is the reason why I'm still in activism because it has been already eight years. I've been through like so much, like I've been part of the protests in 2013 when the May 17th happened. I was there and I saw this massive violence that was happening. And then actually that was the trigger for me to get involved in LGBTQI activism. And in 2015, I started to work at a tiny LGBT organization. And that's how I started all of this. And I want to make my life and my friend's life and my community's life better, more free, more equal. And I think it's possible because I see this change. I definitely see what was happening 15 years ago. And now it's so different. Of course, yes, there are many haters. There is homophobia. There are conservative people. And we have huge opponents, you know. There is like Orthodox Church. There is conservative government, rich far-right groups and far-right leaders who are businessmen and millionaire and we have to counter and be against all these structures. And there's like so many government bodies or informal groups who are against us. And all we have is, is our values and our principles and our love and beliefs because we don't really have any money or infrastructure or anything like that to oppose and to counter these huge uh, institutions that I listed. But I believe that love and kindness will win at the end and love cannot be defeated. This is what keeps me fighting. But unfortunately, of course, it's very, very difficult. If I compare my mental health and well-being to what it was like years before... It has changed a lot and I have, of course, the scars from all these fights for our basic human rights and our office was attacked numerous times. I have personally received death threats, which is still not investigated after four years, for example. And we never find justice in Georgia and we have to go abroad and try to seek for justice at European Court of Human Rights or etc. Our government and police looks at us as we are enemies, not partners to achieve equality and human rights protection together, but as if we are the threats to the national interests and they always illegally uh, listen to our communications and follow our steps and even proactively organize some activities to sabotage our events. And sometimes I think I'm in the movie and I'm one of the movie characters. But yeah, unfortunately, not everyone, as we mentioned, is strong enough to deal with this. And we have the reality when hundreds and thousands of queer people, especially transgender people, they are fleeing the country. They are going to European Union states such as Belgium, Germany, and asking for asylum. And this is so sad. Even some of the activists, people who have some progressive ideas, some skills and knowledge, they are immigrating. And because it's tiring homophobia and transphobia and at the same time huge rates of poverty and unemployment and we know that poverty and unemployment this is a problem for all Georgians but in case of LGBT people it's like double issue because you are being oppressed as a trans person as well who 
was not simply given the opportunity to get education, who was not, did not have any support from the family, who had to live in the street because they were kicked out from their families from regions and they were raised up in, in Tbilisi in the streets and exposed to all these threats and illegal substances and had to survive somehow. So like being LGBT community member and uh, being Georgian and being a woman is double and triple oppression. And this is why people are leaving uh, the country and they are fleeing Georgia and not only LGBT community, but others as well. We have quite challenging situation in the country in so many areas, but I'm still here. I think my test for Georgia is the next elections, which is happening in 2024. And I think I will give this country another chance and let's see what happens there then. And I think I will decide uh, my future plans based on that. Okay, I got that transgender people are having extremely huge challenges. Uh, but do you also see differences in acceptance of being lesbian or gay or other sexual orientations? Um, I think that transgender community is the most vulnerable and marginalized group in Georgia. Uh, 95% of trans people, especially trans women, I would say they are involved in sex work because like other opportunities are closed for them. As I mentioned, education, employment sphere, they are uh, completely marginalized there. Other than that, I think uh, lesbian community and women have lots of problems because uh, the lives of women, the bodies of women are much more controlled in Georgian patriarchal society than men, starting from who we date or what time do we arrive at uh, home or how we behave or where we uh, go to study, which university, like everything is uh, strongly controlled by the parents, by the relatives, by the family. Yeah, the quite important challenges and barriers. And especially I, I have observed that lesbian women or bisexual women who have children, they are really, really vulnerable because their ex-husbands or ex-partners or their parents or the parents of their partners, they are constantly threatening them of uh, taking their children away because of their lifestyle and of their identities and sexuality. And this is constantly a struggle and problem. But in case of gay men, of course, it's super challenging because Georgian men, Georgian conservative society really condemns homosexuality in case of men. Uh, we have sometimes a saying that Georgian men uh, say that lesbians are, are okay, but uh, when it comes to gay men and when it comes to male relationships, it's really stigmatized and it's really disgusting and unacceptable for many, many people. And of course, this uh, gives us the situation where gay men are attacked a lot in public spaces, in the streets, at night, in front of bars, or also in employment uh, sphere. We have discrimination because the gay men uh, sometimes are feminine or certain looking. So yeah, like each and every subgroup of LGBT community has its own struggles and oppression. You are listing a part of the biggest opponents, among them the church. Can you explain a bit the role of the church? 
Yes. Um, so Georgian Orthodox Church, which is the dominant religious organization in Georgia, it's not just a religious organization, but it's a very important political actor who is always getting engaged in any important political process. They are very regressive institution who unfortunately up to this moment have the huge trust from the public and around 85% belongs to Georgian Orthodox Church and uh, they have lots of money. They have millions and millions of money. They have lots of property in Georgia. They have lots of power and influence and they see the LGBT movement and generally like liberal, progressive movement as uh, the threat to their power, to their money, to their influence. That is why they are fighting a lot against us. And they are working together with the government. Our government is very, as I mentioned, homophobic and conservative, and they have very good relations with the church. And these two institutions, they have also these informal far-right groups who are often violent. And we believe that the government is often managing and they are in coordination with each other. And it's always about the government's political will if they will attack us or not. Actually, in 2019, we tried to approach the church to Pulisic Pride leaders, including me. We, we talked to the leaders of uh, Orthodox Church, the Patriarchate, in one of their receptions. We met them and we were talking about the basic things, such as like to prevent the physical violence when the Pride happens. Okay, you can come out, you can go against us, you can organize counter demonstrations but don't attack us physically and their response was you know the violence has like several types and what you are doing by your propaganda and by your speeches and visibility this is also violence against our children and families so your violence is triggering the other types of violence so they were completely like close-minded and unapproachable and it was not possible to talk with them and one of the church leaders high-ranking uh, priest told me that your lifestyle will never be acceptable for us looking into my eyes and saying that uh, so yeah, unfortunately, we don't see the window to have a dialogue with the church at this moment. Of course, we consider in the future in every country, this was part of the fight for equality that uh, you need to work with religious organizations and churches and hopefully it will happen at some point, but uh, not now. On the international stage, pronouns and language are quite important for LGBTQI scene, but Georgian language doesn't have any gender. Is language a topic for you? Yeah, sometimes we talk about it uh, within activist circle that we are so lucky to have such a gender neutral language. We don't have uh, different gendered pronouns because we only have one pronoun, is, which is neutral and it's same for every gender. So that uh, issue is solved. And even beyond uh, pronouns, we don't have girlfriend and boyfriend. We just have Shekharebuli, which is a neutral word, which is like a lover. As a queer people, we say, like, I have Shekharebuli, I have a partner, but no one knows if we mean girlfriend or boyfriend. So there are like, yeah, a few words that are quite gender neutral and it's very helpful and we are happy about it. You have mentioned several times the years 2013 and 2021 with the big and violent counter demonstrations and attacks. 
Are you afraid that something like this will happen this year again? I will say a few more words about 2021, July 5th, because it was a really tragic day in the modern history of Georgia. This was the year when Tbilisi Pride was trying to organize another Pride Week. We started organizing Pride Weeks in 2019, and we had the plan to organize the conference, the Pride Festival, and uh the March for Dignity. We organized first two events peacefully and safely, but when it was the day of March Uh, for Dignity on July 5th, we saw the huge violence from the early morning. The streets of Tbilisi were occupied by uh, radical violent mobs who were running around in the streets. They climbed our office from the balcony and broke into it and destroyed everything we had. They attacked our partner organization's offices. They beat up 53 journalists quite severely. And one of the cameramen Our ally, amazing person and professional, he died a few days after he was beaten up on July 5th at this demonstration. Of course, we had to cancel the march because it was impossible to organize anything that day. It was around three, four thousand violent people. And unfortunately, what happened was that government not only did not prevent the violence, and they knew well what would happen, but they did not counter the violence on the day when it was actually happening, like the police was just standing by. And after it, unfortunately, we did not uh, get effective investigation. None of the organizers of the violence, none of the people who were leaders and who incited and organized violence, they are not punished. They are not touched at all by the government. And only few people who were like regular participants of the counter demonstration, they were fined. And some of them, I think three people, they were imprisoned uh, after they severely beat up the camera and who later died. So this is the tragic day. But what we see is um, when we organize the closed events and when we don't organize the march or demonstration in the street, the government protects the Pride Week. I believe this year it won't be same. Last year also we organized Tbilisi Pride Week, but without the march, which is very sad. But unfortunately, there is no space in Georgia right now to try to attempt organizing Pride marches again. It's a compromise that we make, of course, but maybe some people will say it's a step back. But we believe that we might make uh, one step back, but then like few steps forward. So we are being careful, cautious, smart, and we are using these few years to strengthen as a community, to empower each other, to take care of each other. And we believe that soon the time will come when we will be able to go out in the street. So what's on the program this year? This week, we are organizing Tbilisi Pride the Week 2023. We have a planned international LGBTQI conference in Tbilisi, which takes place for the third time already. And we will have participants from all over the Europe, from Armenia, Azerbaijan, from Ukraine, from uh, Hungary, uh, North Macedonia, Czech Republic, Germany, UK. So it's an important conversation where we talk about the human rights, democracy challenges that we have in Europe, democracy backsliding and some of the common trends and what could we also do together as a 
transnational movement. And the final event is Pride Festival, which uh, will happen on July 8th. And uh, we will have around 3,000 guests. It's a quite big festival for our little Georgian community. And we have very, very interesting and diverse activities. Some workshops, performances, exhibitions. Many organizations will have their corners and representation. And of course, at night, we will have concerts and some musical sets. And uh, it's a really important uh, space for us queers to meet, to see each other to empower each other and yeah to fight for equality and human rights unfortunately we cannot go out in the streets for now but we can organize other events which are also very important the pride week continues until 8th of july i think you are having a great program and wish you a wonderful week thanks a lot for being our guest today mariam Thanks as well to my teammate Sopo Sikharolice and to you all listeners. In two weeks we will be back with our last guest before the summer break. Hope you tune in.